Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm, I'm a bit confused. I thought we were talking about Forrest. <laughs> we were talking yeah. about Forrest there, but we yeah. haven't heard it's, it's like Bruno. Off. We don't talk about Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> equity of up to 150 million pounds. You're not here to find your head to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, the different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aestetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. It is episode 91, and we've got a busy one for you. Lots to talk about this week as the football world heads into a World Cup break in the month of November, which is very, very strange, and I will continue to emphasize how weird it is. But we've got a full slate of uh, stuff to talk about today, so we're going to get it done. We'll start by throwing it out to... The Todd Father himself, he is at TC underscore Kasho. Todd, what is up, my friend? You know, any day that uh, you get to have a conversation uh, with your mates about a top four football club uh, who happens to uh, have won their Champions League group um, before a completely fucking ridiculous international nonsensical World Cup um, is a good fucking day. And, you know, I'm thankful for the opportunity to do so. Uh, this was uh, exactly the kind of exclamation point that Spurs fans could have hoped for. And I'm excited to get it uh, get it chatted about here with y'all. No question about it. Caroline is also with us. She is at CG Stefko. Caroline, how are you? I'm doing great. It's been a good weekend so far. I'm glad we got to end, you know, this portion of the season on a high note and Kind of looking forward to a little bit of a break from Tottenham, but <laughs> see, I had the opposite feeling after watching yesterday's <laughs> game against Leeds. I was like, "Damn, I'm going to miss the craziness of this team right now because uh, I don't really feel like watching a bunch of international football that is obviously very meaningful because it's a goddamn World Cup." But it and you really also hate Greg Halter's guts. So yeah, I do kind of. <laughs> well, you know, it's not only that, my dude, but like I've wa- I've been watching the women's team lately, and they are uh-huh. struggling as well. Oh, the, yes. the U.S. women's team. <laughs> uh, we're recording this for context uh, a few hours before their Sunday match against Germany, but they've lost three straight games now too for the first time since the early nineties. And I'm just like, Oh, the the U S soccer vibes are not good. But again, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Spurs Uh, fresh off a plane back in the UK from the U S after a week's long jaunt is Shuban as well. And he is with us. He is at the real Shuban. Shubs, what's going on with you, man? Um, It's good to be home. Obviously it was great to hang out with both Andrew and TC and hopefully next year. While I'm coming, if I get to go to Austin, I get to hang out with Kaz. So yeah. No question. And uh, a little more content coming from Shuban in the coming weeks uh, to talking more about his trip. We'll have that for you on the feed during the World Cup. Uh, so be on the lookout in your feed for that. 
Um, guys, th- I, this was a weird week. Obviously, we've got we have a Champions League draw to discuss. There was a League Cup game, and then whatever the hell that was yesterday against Leeds. I want to I want to take this in kind of an order that's somewhat chronological. We'll talk about the 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 cup draw, uh, the Champions League draw that is a little bit later, but. I want to start out with this League Cup game midweek because we don't talk about Forest. We, go, going into this game, I thought to myself, boy, wouldn't it be nice? I think I even said this on the pod last week with you, Caroline. I, I think we both kind of agreed. Like if if Spurs went into this match and just kind of punted and didn't really like field a real team, just played a bunch of kids and they lost, I would have been fine with it. What to me was a little bit weird was that while it was a rotated side, it wasn't a fully rotated side. It was still a fairly representative team for what the team had available. And that's an important, that's and doing a lot of heavy lifting, bro. It, it is, it is. But what was frustrating was that you had, you know, a, a, like I said, a fairly representative side with Harry Kane in it. Um, you had a, a representative midfield. You had really even a representative back three. Davis Sanchez is normally... Fine, oh. but 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 what, what? what? But what's even and more being important, a traffic cone? Fuck out of here! But what's even more important from what I took from this game is that the club just didn't show up. Like they just played so so poorly against the Forest team that is shit, not good. I won't. Even, yeah, they're just not. They're so I I mean, my gracious, it was it was an adventure. Uh, and not a good one. It was more like a, a, a getting lost in the woods type of adventure and just never finding your way out. Just to give you context, although Forest is in the Midlands, it's in the more northern bit of the Midlands. So it's a real, it's like a good, but if you're driving up there, it's a good two and a half, three hours. So for a midweek game, for those that did drive up there and took coaches, oh my God. I mean, they would have probably been back about what, two o'clock in the morning or something. So credit to those fans that did go away to it, but. Honestly, it was. I was a. I honestly, I've just. I've seen. I've seen this before. We we look at opposition and we think, no, you can't be asked. And I can. I can imagine a lot of players were looking at that, think, no, just can't be bothered. And I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that players will do that sometimes. And we've seen that not just in the, this competition, but in, in other competitions as well. All right, Todd. I want to let you get in because you think this was just a fully rotated side anyway, and and it didn't. It wasn't really representative, and I, I I agree with you to an extent. But in terms of what Spurs had available to them, with not having Youngman Son available, with not having a fully fit Kulusevski or Richarlison to put in that front three, they played the same three-five-two with Kane and Perisic up top that they did against Liverpool in days prior. And no Romero, it, sure because and no Romero and no Romero. So and you didn't have Ben Davies playing. Right? But they didn't have Romero available against Liverpool. No, no, no. Either. But Davies, I picked. I think Davies picked up a slight knock, or there was some exhaustion or some shit going on. Like, listen, it was a rotated side. But listen, I, I just, I want to say this. I want to get it out here. I'm glad it happened. I don't really disagree with you, and and that's kind of what I want to get onto next, Caroline. There's going to be a narrative out there amongst fans of, and I, I've seen a little bit of this week, but honestly, not as much as if I as I might have expected to see, but. There's going to be a little bit of a narrative of wow, Tottenham really just pissed away a chance at going after a domestic cup this season, and I don't know that any of us really feel that way. I think we're all kind of with the with the craziness of this season, the busy busyness of the fixture schedule. I think we're all kind of a little bit, somewhat, maybe tiny bit relieved that we don't really have to deal with a league cup going forward. Am I right? 
Yeah. And, you know, I've said this many times. I think that a lot of the players, especially the ones who are going to be featuring in the World Cup, were, you know, their focus was not on this this League Cup round. They were just focused on getting through these last couple of games intact so that they can play in the World Cup. And, you know, I think part of them was probably thinking if we go out of this cup, our schedule is not going to be as congested in the second half of the season. And honestly, that sets us up to put in a better run, say in the FA cup, which I think is a little more prestigious, Um, you know, have a little bit more focus on the league as well. So I, that's why I felt like the side was not rotated enough. You know, I would have been happy to see, Brian Hill get a run out in the the front two instead of Kane, you know, since Conte said Kane was dealing with fatigue. Like, why did he play? I don't understand it. We could have seen so many of the players. He got to wear the armband. That's why. And he's fucking Harry Kane. Well, good for him. But I I, I don't think. I'm sorry. Guess guess who else could have. Guess who else started and could have worn the armband? Pierre. Right. I just think it was it was not the best man management from Conte. You know, he kind of half-heartedly rotated the side and it was a half-hearted performance like frankly and if we weren't planning on putting a real concerted effort into winning this game and staying in the cup I just don't understand why why any you know why we had those key players who we definitely needed to be in in peak shape for the weekend game playing yeah. So Eric, I just don't Eric, agree Eric, Dyer, Eric Dyer could have worn the armband too. Like there were a number of other options. And I, no, 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 I, no, no. I, the only reason why I say that is because I think there was a hairy decision. Like Harry gets to wear the armband. He doesn't normally get to wear the armband. That's a thing for him. Well, that's, what's, that's what I'm what's frustrating to me about that though, is that to, to Caroline's point, Conte comes out after the game and talks about how fatigued Harry is. And it's well, like, okay, wait a second, Antonio, aren't you the guy that ultimately, I know that truth, this isn't fully hundred percent true, but aren't you the guy that gets to decide who plays and who doesn't and who needs to be rested and who, who doesn't like, I, I know that Harry Kane has a little more say in that than anyone else probably, but Antonio Conte ultimately is the guy that writes the names on the team sheet. So like, if you're going to play a guy in a game that you're not really putting your best foot forward in, even though you'll say you did and a game that doesn't really matter as much in terms of the context of the full season, why are you running? I agree with Caroline. I would have loved to have seen Jed Spence from jump. I would have sure. loved to have seen Brian Hill from jump. I would have loved well, I mean, have we, have we heard Jaffa Tanganga's name in recent months? I, no. and what, about, know, what about Pape Sar? I mean, like, what I about these guys? Think, I honestly think we would have had a better chance of actually getting a, a win out of this game if those players had started. I agree with I that. I think they would have been more focused than some of our regular starters who this is not their priority right now. Players, that, players but, that have one eye yeah, a week from now in Qatar, you know. Well, Papa saw yesterday he's in the squad, and I was like, and I'm like, but and I have a question. I'm like, how on earth because is even in the squad? I know he's been playing every, he's been to every single qualification, everything, but he's barely played. So I'm guessing he actually might play more minutes in the World Cup. Yeah, and he actually will have like first team minutes. No, he's he's a regular sub for them. for his national team. Um, okay. No, but okay. So let's move on from that. Sure, fine. We should have not played Harry. Whatever that happened, I get it. So, but let's talk about this. If you could have only if Spurs fans out there being like, "Oh, fucking Tottenham pissed away another chance at a cup. I just want to win a cup. This is bullshit. All this silverware." I'm going to say two things. One, think about all of the times that we've been stressed because we had a Chelsea match coming up or a uh, scum match coming up, and Juventus away in the round of uh, you know in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. 
and a fucking FA Cup semifinal against Crystal Palace or whomever. It doesn't matter that we got to worry about. It's a lot of really important, plus the narrative we're carrying around this fucking backpack of never won a trophy. So now it's like the stress of that semifinal is now huge. Now we just get to take a deep breath and we can make sure that everybody gets to be focused where we want the focus to be. And and I'll tell you what, if you ask Spurs fans that say, oh, we should have pissed, you know, shouldn't have pissed away another chance at a trophy. If you could have only had a win in one of the games from last week, would you have been the win? It would have been leads, and I think for everybody on this pod, I would agree with that. Well, and, you know, if we're actually going to, like, get behind Conte as a fan base, then I think we kind of have to go along with what he's been saying, which is that he's trying to build something progressively mm-hmm. at the club. That It's not going to happen in one season. So I, th- I think, you know, making sure we keep top four in the league, that has to be a bigger priority than winning a domestic cup. Yes. Oh, oh I, I guys, are we top four right now? We are. Oh, okay. Yes. There you go. And like I <laughs> yeah, said, the only know. thing that I will, I, I will, I will fully back Conte. The only thing I will a little bit raise my eyebrow at is you played Harry Kane for what? Was oh it? yeah, fifty nine <laughs> fifty nine minutes in a cup game midweek in between two really important Premier League games, and then you questioned afterwards. Not questioned. You just came out and said, "Well, he's really tired because he's played a lot." Well, no shit. <laughs> like no shit. And guess what? He's now going to go be the captain of a team in a World Cup that has very high expectations, and, and that kind of pressure is going to be on him as well. Oh, so We did, we did, but then the score got announced, and then I was like, nope. Well, that's that's neither here nor there. <laughs> the expectations that, are still there. Trust what me. Todd said is true. Like I think Kane has a lot of uh, sway in the decision-making, which is he probably not a good thing, you know, but he does. <laughs> it's All right. the reality. We, we went probably – we talked for uh, about 12 minutes about Nottingham Forest and it's probably about 10 minutes too much because <laughs> none of us really want to think about or talk about that game um, again. Let's let's talk about Leeds because there's a lot more in this game to talk about. Um, as the three of you know, uh, and many may know, I did not get to watch this game live. And I'm actually very grateful because there would have been some things said in the group chat, maybe even publicly on Twitter where I would have regretted them. Like, for example, in the first half, I would have been talking about things like, uh, for example, Rodrigo Bensoncourt is losing the ball way too much. He's breaking up things well defensively, but he's just, he's a mess in midfield right now. And then, of course, he scores twice in the final 10 minutes to give us a victory. So foolish stuff like that would have been coming out of my mouth, um, and I would have regretted a lot of it. This game was on drugs, and I loved every minute of it. And... (laughs) While it was stressful as hell in moments, it was also one of those games that Spurs fans as a whole, I think, kind of, they kind of get off on this game. Let's be honest. Like, this is a Spurs game for Spurs fans. That's what this was. Well, they they often have said that the the best Spurs result, Spurs results, or even 3-2 either way, is like, as long as you scored or whatever. But I've got to say, when I was watching some of this, it was... Oh, good, because basically, for those of you who don't know, Leeds fans, basically, they are the most vicious fans ever. They are saw, so saw, vicious. Saw, you know, I saw some of that in the proper, proper just, in, just in the crowd shots of them yesterday. There was they a lot of vicious. nonsense. There was the one instance yeah. where the ball got thrown back into play on a corner <laughs> and, and play had to be stopped because the ball had gone up into the crowd and rather than just getting it back down to the ball boy, 
they threw it back onto the pitch and there were two balls on the pitch at one point that was and there I'm was surprised a lot they of, didn't stab it first God yeah, there was, there was a lot of like uh, there was a lot of wanking motions going on by, <laughs> by, by crowd members, which was just like, what are we and like, actually by the Spurs team in the first 45 minutes? Yes, exactly. It was a lot of just like and a lot of crowd shots that I was just like, let's get the camera off of these goofballs. I don't need to look at them anymore. Go ahead, Caroline. Well, speaking of the crowd, I did have to laugh because they showed a guy pretty prominently um, from the lead section that had a dirty leads t-shirt on yeah <laughs> i was yeah. like okay cool and that and that was and that was one of the few people that did have a shirt on because there were multiple yes. people that didn't have <laughs> shirts on oh, that was the same the shot best, yeah i was the best for that i was i was i was in mulligans in hoboken with um i don't know how that's and as soon as we went four three up i was like yeah where you where, where's your fucking shirts off now you dirty leads leads bastards they should have yeah, to put them back on at that point yeah in oh, shame yeah. <laughs> they should have to go that way to work for the entire next week or until they win again, just shirtless to work. It, it was, but it was just, Oh God, that game was just, Oh God, yeah. it was fun. The, the game was the, just bizarre. It was really, it, I mean, I, I, I'm all for like exciting football and it was exciting. And people have said that we're playing boringly. Well, this ain't boring. This is definitely not boring. This is very exciting. Uh, but um, Now let's not. have a conversation, Andrew. Uh, like, I, I mean, we can, we can surely go through it, but how much of this match came down to um, Leeds being a really tough side and us being utter fucking shit. Well, I, I think there's a combination. I think it's a the, the old classic little bit of column A, a little bit of column B in that. I did want to bring up the fact that like we okay so we talked about Forrest and how depleted Spurs were we didn't even really mention in the lineup that we got both Richarlison and Kulisevsky back in a starting 11 in this game which was I think extremely helpful because Spurs were able to go back to the 3-4-3 um, and stop playing Kane and Perisic up top they were able to flank Kane with both Richarlison and Kulisevsky um, and I think we I, I just want to shout out Dan Kulisevsky for a second because that for my dude God my dude by answer. the 60th or so minute was so goddamn exhausted and still was able to get that assist for the winner. Um, this was about our strongest 11 minus one part of it. And we all know what that part is. Um, and I don't really want to, I, I feel like this podcast has become the whole, like I'm going to come on here and shit on Emerson Royale podcast. And that's not what I want to do constantly, but my God, was he so bad? Like he was, and and he was so bad to the point that I think the team on the pitch around him started to feel bad. We saw at one point in the first half, Eric Dyer pretty much just told him to go back and play his position, and Dyer started playing right wing back for about 15 minutes in the first half. It was that bad from Emerson Royale. The rest of the team, I thought, was pretty good. I, uh, other than the other, the only other guy I'll pick on, which we, who, who's another guy that we've picked on a lot this season, was actually Hugo Lloris. I thought Hugo Lloris was not great in this game either. Yeah, either. not great. Are you not great? Are you going to leave it at not great? No, I think that I'll say he the, was not. I say he was not good. Let's put it. Yeah, okay, so here's the thing: we always rag on Hugo for you know his distribution skills and being shit with his feet and like being duck footed and left footed and all these things, and that's fine. Uh, but what I will wait, say, wait, is, wait, I don't rag on him for being left footed. That he, I don't think he can help that. Uh, no, 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 no. But I mean, <laughs> honestly, his distribution is quite shit. Yeah, and we've talked about that for years. Is that you know whenever Hugo has the ball at his feet, uh, everybody holds their breath. Um, but he's for years been one of the best shot stoppers in the world. And he is no longer that and has not been for a long, 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 long time. 
Yeah, that's right. And what's even rougher about that is now he's getting exposed by players like fucking Rodrigo and like exposed by players like Rodrigo. And it's not going to get better, Andrew. I don't think it will either. I think it's only going to go further downhill from here and it's not good. Um, but like I said, other than the, the injection of a more of more normality in this match was super, super key. And like I said, I thought Bentancourt had a, a time in the second or in the first half. He was breaking up play really well, but was not starting breaks. I thought Hoybear was pretty good throughout, pretty consistent. I thought the, the the left side, when you've got Perisic, who once again is just proving to be a veteran, awesome presence on that on that side. Uh, I thought the center backs played pretty well, like everywhere except for Emerson. Uh, yeah, and so, so and Dyer, and Dyer, yeah, you, you can you can you can shove it with the last two comments, and I'll tell you exactly why. <laughs> uh, the first thing is Perisic. Every time I watch Perisic play, he is undoubtedly 33, 34 years old. Every fucking time, it's like good gravy. It's not just because they always do close-ups of his face. The reason why is because every every match, he gets turned at least three times a half. It's embarrassing, Andrew. It's embarrassing. I, and, I'm, I'm actually not displeased with what this club has gotten from Perisic in the first half of the season. No, I'm no, not well, either. Then, and I, I think will, I it's will good agree. to point out that Perisic... He does benefit somewhat from having a stronger center back behind him. And, of course, I'm speaking about Ben Davis here because uh, I thought he had a really strong game. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, yeah he, he did. absolutely did. Um, he, he had a, but, by the way, he had a rocket of a goal. Like, yeah, I, know it, it was, I know it I know it got, it needed some fortune. I need. I know it needed a couple bounces to get past the goal line. But it had the God, mustard was that, on it. Was that, that was a hit necessary. or what? Was that from <laughs> another sexy Dayan Kulisevsky entry pass? It was indeed. Okay. <laughs> just, just, just making sure. I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I, I don't think that. I don't. It's important. But wait, wasn't it? Wasn't that also, if I'm recalling correctly? Sorry to interrupt you, Todd, but wasn't that also started by another sexy delivery from Avon Perisic on a corner? No. Hey, listen, listen. We're getting what we need from Perisic. Okay. And I'm not saying that we're not. We're getting veteran leadership. We're getting somebody who knows Conte's system inside and out. We're getting somebody who has. Uh, just ridiculousness with both feet uh, on set pieces and in dead ball situations. Um, but what I would definitely say more than anything else is that I don't know how much my guy has left in the tank. And we've been benefiting from as bad as he's played. We've been benefiting from the ability to like spell him with Ryan Sessegnon, who's now picked up a knock. I We'll see how it goes. Supposedly it's not too bad, but like, I don't. As we go later in the season, I don't know how much Ivan Perisic has left in the tank. Let, let me divert us real quickly from the the conversation about Leeds because I think this is actually an interesting place to be. We we all know that we've had massive problems on the right side from a wingback standpoint. Emerson Royale has not done anything that shows me that he's capable of the position, and I think we it's something we knew coming into the year, but we've just continued to to know about uh, a few months in. I think we've seen better out of Matt Doherty, but I think we all still know that Matt Doherty is not a long-term solution there. He's a decent stopgap solution. And we think we might have something for the future in Jed Spence, but obviously more is needed on the left side. But right now, I want to talk about the left because I'm interested as to who would play, who you would want to play 
on the left wing back spot if it was like a cup final tomorrow? Do you want Sessegnon or do you want Perisic there? Because I think that there's cup no final? real. Yeah. I think it depends on what who the opponent is. 100% agree with that. Honestly, I 100 agree with you. If it's but, a cup, but, um, go ahead. Shoot. I'm leaning to Perisic. I'm leaning to Perisic. I'm leaning towards Perisic. It's Sessegnon is that availability being his best ability. I just don't think Sessegnon. Well, you never know. It depends on who we play. Yeah. yeah, it depends on who we play. And I'll give you an example. If we play somebody that has like a, a, a okay, well, let me let me hold on, Todd. Let me ask it to you this way then. Sure. We're playing. We're playing Manchester City in a cup final. Who are you? Pl- who are you starting? I'm probably oof. Manchester City is probably Paris. If I'm playing Liverpool, I probably start Sessignon. Yeah. Oh, I'm see. I'm interested in what the difference between those two things are. Is who I was go up against because or? I was because I was going to give you like Manchester City versus. Um, hold on, let me pull up the table here. Or Bournemouth. Yeah, I know what or, you're trying to get at. Or Leicester. Is like, it going to be a team where we're trying to counter, and that's most of our offensive output, or is it a team that we're trying to break down, and we need Yvonne's Set piece you got skills. Me. I think that's the distinction. Hundred percent. I think that I think the grander point that I was attempting to make, and I should have just come out and said it rather than trying to do it in a fancy roundabout way of of a podcast host who thinks he's better than he is. Um, I I think that I should have said. I think that Ryan Sessegnon has not played as well as Ivan Perisic this year. I think he's had moments where he's looked better, but I think on the whole, Ryan Sessegnon is still giving me a lot to be desired from that position. I don't disagree. Um, and even in terms of his defensive liability, because I, I've seen defensive woes out of him in a similar vein that I've seen out of Perisic, and I haven't seen enough from uh, a clinical standpoint going forward to make up for that difference. So that's that's my diversion. I, that's that's all I kind of wanted to get out on on that left side because I think that is an interesting part of this team. Um, this I game. Think, go, um, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I can interrupt. I think where Todd was going to go before we got totally sidetracked. Um, was to say that Eric Dyer's game was not quite up to snuff. He and was. I would, and I would have to agree with that. Eric Dyer had a tough week. Yeah. Eric Dyer's yeah. had a tough three weeks, let's be honest. I, his head's been other places. understand. And you, you know what? Tell. He just was not yeah. like locked in on a couple of those goals. You could see he was just completely just distracted. Well, well you, dude, you can go back, Andrew. You I, I did. I did this podcast. And you uh, okay. can hear me slate Eric Dyer for having too many times of th- just terrible goals that we concede and having Dyer's number 15 in the frame standing there staring at the goal. And there were three I, times that happened this week. I think you're I think you're right about that to an extent. I also think that if, if you want to look at that first goal, which a lot of people would put on Eric Dyer, I think that's a lot on Emerson Royale too. I really do. Yes. And you, and you but- see Eric Dyer – Turning around and being like, "Where, where the hell are you?" and 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 Emerson Morales just trailing uh, the goal scorer, um, whose name is uh, Somerville. He's just I, trailing Somerville at that point. I get that, but I do think that Dyer still needs to be a little more aware if he's going to be that last line of defense. To be and, fair, I agree. But I, was, I, think, I, think, I, I, I think what say, you're to saying, be fair, I, you got to slate Peh on that exact same play because he stepped out when he shouldn't have on Aronson. You got to slate Emerson Royale well, for being generally. You also have to give some credit shit. to Aronson, who yeah, Aronson was, had a good it, game. You know? You're not wrong at all. I thought he had a great game. I think what you're saying though is that that Dyer needs to be more aware that he's got Emerson Royale playing on his side, and that's an Emerson yeah, Royale problem. I think Dyer needs to not play for Spurs. Oh wow, that's not as far as I would go. That's a hot, <laughs> hot. It's, it can be hot as far as you want, fucking want it to be. 
Like it's the thing is, is that uh, Eric Dyer has one specific role in which he plays proficiently. And that's at the tip of the spear in a three where he has a progressive uh, right center back next to him. When you rely on Davidson Sanchez to be that right center back, or you shift Eric Dyer into that right center back role and have someone else play that point of the spear. Eric Dyer is a motherfucking liability. See, I think that Eric Dyer, I think the moments where he pushed up to play right wing back and told Emerson Royale to go back and play center back. I have been wholly opposed to even trying to think about converting Emerson to a center back. But in those moments, I was like, thank God somebody's going to go up there and give us something going forward instead of Emerson. Everybody agrees with you, buddy, and to the to the extent that um, I think that Emerson Royale should uh, be a championship player. Like, <laughs> like it's just I don't think they championship should. in La Liga, like La Liga second tier. I I don't know about all that, man. I honestly think that if you, I don't even Emerson, know that he's a championship player. That's Emerson Royale is a right back. Emerson Royale is a right back, and we're yes. slating him for not being a right wing back. It's kind of like and the it, same way that we slated Matt Doherty for being a, a right wing back and asking him to play right back. And you know what? Honestly, I'm I'm ready to to make an executive decision here at the Tottenham Depot and just say we can't talk about Emerson anymore because we're honestly I I want to just issue an apology to the listeners because we're boring the shit out of you by making the same comments week after week after week about Emerson Royale on this podcast. So. And and Todd, that's not that's not even a dig at you, man. You're saying exactly <laughs> what uh, what we've I all been saying, thing. and it's just I, like yeah. I took a couple of uh, friends to the watch party with me in Austin yesterday, and you know they were neutrals. They didn't really have a stake in this game, but even they were both picking up on Emerson being the weak link. So it's not you know. <laughs> it get, you know who else picked up secret of Tottenham Hotspur right now. You know who else picked up on the fact that he was a weak link? Eric Dyer. Because <laughs> Eric Dyer told him, get the fuck back and play my position, and I'll come play yours for a few minutes just so you can get your head out of yeah. your ass and into the game because it now, wasn't in the game. What, what, I, what I think is – what I was going to say is I, I think that a really nice segue away from that is to simply say that if we can figure out what's going on or when we have – um Cudi Romero back as that right center back and not Emerson uh as the right wing back we have the ability to get it to one of the stronger links on our team which is Dayon Kulisevsky who's a goddamn magician I just want to say it the way that it needs to be said he's a magician the one touch that he had like the first touch awareness on that winner Andrew is something that I don't know that I've seen from someone as big as him. Listen, I know that uh, Bentoncourt is going to get all the the man of the match plaudits from from yesterday's game, and I think he deserves a lot of them. But also, Dan Kulisewski was my man of the match, like by far. Same. Uh, he was you, the 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 change in his game was it, uh, remarkable. Like he the, the what he brings to this team cannot be understated and it's funny because it's the exact thing that any jamoke with a podcast like we have has been saying for however long it is that he's been out um but he he's the straw that stirs the drink for this this club from an offensive standpoint and guess what we're even a little bit i know we gave up three goals but we're even a little bit better defensively with him in just because of the control that he gives us it is unbelievable and so just so pressing when he's in there. 
Um, and I, I don't know what else to say. I hope the dude can get fully healthy over the next month, month and a half, because we, we're going to need him. An extremely important question, Andrew, was just asked in the chat, and I would think we, we should open it up to the listeners. What, in fact, uh, is a Jamoke? So if you know, please let us know at Tottenham Depot. Uh, have you guys really it. never heard of what a Jamoke is? I, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a slang term. I hope it's I hope it's not. I hope I'm not going to have to edit the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to Urban Dictionary right now. <laughs> a oh. Jamoke is a it's a it's like a it's a what now? It's a schlub. It's like a sure. You know, no, nope, I don't. Like, it's very like a very ordinary person, just like a, a a nobody. It's like a disparaging term for. So it says a clumsy loser who is incapable of doing normal human tasks. <laughs> it's pretty harsh. Yeah. I well. consider myself a jamoke <laughs> with a podcast. So, like, Goodness. I consider all the people that have been saying for the last month or so that this team really needs Dan Kulusevsky back jamokes because we're all saying the same stupid thing that like everyone that's it's just plainly obvious and yeah. also for yeah. those who don't know andrew's <laughs> love language is self-deprecation that is a very very uh poignant and <laughs> truthful <laughs> set of words that you just gave me there todd thank you for that Anytime. um where, where else can we go with this game because it was to the fucking international break <laughs> well yeah. before we go there i i do think you know i saw this stat that I think we've gained 13 points. I think it said from losing positions this yeah. season. That's so it's insane. like as most frustrating, in England, most in Europe. Yes, as frustrating as these games are to watch, sometimes like I I never feel like we're out of a game anymore, and that's a good feeling to have. That's Tottenham. That's Tottenham. Is this reminded me of Redknapp shit? Dude, this reminded me of those days where you would see Aaron Lennon flying down the link, the wing, taking people on, crossing it into the middle, and seeing Crouchy or Keeney find the back of the. Like Kino does did amazing things back then in the same way that, you know, we've got guys like Harry now that are doing incredible stuff where you just go, fuck, did he score another one? He did. And even though it was Lolo's day, it was Harry that got us going. Are we going to talk about that goal at all? Because haters are going to say, well, you know, you guys are pushing fucking VAR screwed us. And it's like, first off, don't talk to me about VAR. First secondly, of all, yes, we secondly, are going to talk about the goal. What was that accent? <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm not sure that it was. An, well, I'll just own it and say it was terrible. Um, then we'll keep it moving <laughs> and say that there, there's a lot of people that I saw on Twitter that were absolutely trying to tell me some bullshit about uh, how that goal should have been disallowed for some pushing and some shoving. And it's like, fuck you, watch every corner ever. And then what happens? Well, first of all, it it Spurs were definitely fortunate to have that goal stand up. Like let's let's say not, more. I, I don't know that I I mean I will, but I don't know that I need to. Like Longley is like laying on the goalkeeper in the goal when the goal At is the end? What, no, like before the ball is kicked. Parisage, okay, so so Parisage and Longley are going up for the ball at the same time. Both are allowed their space. Okay, they're not impeding on an, because they're behind one another. They're not impeding on an, uh, an opposing player. They're both still allowed their space. Okay, that happens. Their forward momentum going for the ball happens to take them into the goalkeeper after the goalkeeper has already connected the ball. Like so, the goalkeeper connects the ball simultaneously as Longley and Perisic collide into the goalkeeper. 
at that point in time, I, I can't say like that's like kind of giving giving a, a personal foul in American football because it was a bad hit, even because it was a, a bad looking hit, even if it was actually clean. But mm, I think he's I, saying it was a fair challenge and the keeper lost that challenge. So 100 percent. That's exactly right, what but, I'm saying. Thank you for but being in the aftermath. They're laying on top of one another in the goal and then play is still going on. So you're saying they should get a room. Seconds. And I understand that feeling, Andrew. <laughs> but what I'm also saying is by <laughs> it's fair that uh, the goal stood because there wasn't a play after that because Harry found the back of the net. Like, so it wasn't like they were impeding play by lying on the goalkeeper. One other thing I was going to say about this was to the point that Caroline made a few minutes ago about comebacks. I'm just going to, by the way, we're going to disagree that I I thought it was a foul. I was shocked and baffled that, that it didn't get overturned. We're going to disagree, but that's fine. We do that a lot. Um, Well, hold on, Caroline. What did you think about this? Because I actually didn't fully get your, did you think it was a foul? No, because I think like Todd said, the keeper had made his connection with the ball already did what he was supposed to do. And then it was that, that phase of play was over. Do you know what I mean? But the phase of, all right. Like I said, the phase of play continued. And good point because it was the timing, like the keeper. Timing is everything. He didn't need time to get up because the ball was already in the back of the net. Like, we had scored. <laughs> I, I don't think he had the opportunity to get up because he had another man on top of him. But well, even if he could, like no, it's, it's like, a moot point. It is a moot point because what what I'm saying is like the time that it would have taken him to like he punched the ball like like they collide. He falls one way, the other you know Longley falls off of him like not on you know allowing him to get up freely. He yeah. still doesn't have time to get up and do anything except for pick Kane's fucking half volley out the back. Of the net. Yeah. He was never stopping Kane's shot. Like yeah. even if that hadn't happened. <laughs> so no, all, all of that's fair. What, what, what I wanted to mention from earlier was Caroline, you mentioned that how many fewer you said it would be 13 fewer points. I think it was 13. Yeah. From, from, from losing positions. That would, that would put us 14th in the league right now. If we didn't have those 13. Yeah. Points. That's scary. In, <laughs> inst- instead we're fourth. So Yeah. I think that the terms that that everyone knows that are associated with this club about being choke artists and about always bottling, I think all those terms should probably just go away. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I'm not even. I'm not even going to say the terms, Um, but you know, the folks that were pronouncing the week before the Liverpool game that a a certain medical professional was coming to see Liverpool, no, no, that was one of our best performances. That was that was our that was one of our best performances of the season, and just didn't get a result. To be fair, that's exactly what happened because now Liverpool's on a fucking tear, and they're up to the sticks in the table for the first time. So you, but I don't care about them. No, you you don't care about them now. Let's have a conversation in about four months. I care about them next time we play them. Newcastle being just lucky bastards, but (laughs) I you can I there's so I think that this is a great segue, guys, to have the conversation. about the fact that we're essentially at the end of the first half of our season, Andrew. That's actually true. And, and it, the way that I wanted to kick off this conversation was actually by starting on, a, again, a small diversion. This is just a diversion podcast for me today. Um, Antonio Conte, 
it was weird after the midweek match talked about how tired Harry Kane was. And we, we, we spoke about that earlier about how weird that was. But after the match yesterday against Leeds, he really made it a point to point out what a consistent piece of this team he has been, despite his perhaps fatigue at midweek. Um, and not to mention, and, and, and I do think it's something that we, we talk about Harry Kane constantly because Harry Kane is, is Spurs Spurs is Harry Kane. Like it's, you know, that's kind of been the theme throughout his entire Spurs career, but he really has been the key cog in this whole thing, continuing to stay afloat. We can talk about center back play midfielders that have been great, you know, good play from the wing backs. And we can frankly talk about all the injuries around Harry Kane that have happened, but we came into this season with four attacking options for three spots, sometimes two spots. And he's been the only one that has gotten through this part with the pressure the look-ahead pressure that everyone else has has been dealing with too, or at least a lot of other players have been dealing with with the World Cup. He's going to, like I mentioned earlier, be the captain of a a side with a lot of expectation going into this World Cup. And the dude has just performed and performed admirably and stayed healthy. And look, that's not to say that injuries are always the fault of players, but this dude has been there. And Antonio Conte made it a point to point that out. And when I look back at this first half of the season, which is what we're about to do here for a few minutes, I think it can get easily overlooked as to what an important part of it that Harry Kane has been. I think that that's a good shout, Kaz. I definitely think that Harry Kane has, this is the strongest Harry Kane I think that we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that, that Conte and his staff have done a really good job of managing Harry Kane, despite his constant involvement, I think that he's gotten more breaks. He's been able to sub at the end of games more than he has. It hasn't been a lot, but it's been some. And that's not something he's done in a long, long time. Uh, But ultimately, I think it really is the strength. People are still hacking the shit out of Harry Kane. And he looks so strong. And, you know, this is a big contrast to this time last year when – you know, after his whole transfer saga thing with Manchester City, he was still not really like up to speed yet at this point in the season. So for him to have just completely transformed his, I don't want to say commitment to the team, but I think just his focus is is fully back on the team right now, um, which is a credit to him with the World Cup coming up. You know, he could have easily pulled the Romero and, you know, kind of been half-assing it this whole time, but he didn't, so... I, I appreciate that from him. No, absolutely. Look, Go ahead, Andrew. When you look back at this first half in general, aside from even Harry Kane, though, I think that injury part of it is going to really honestly be a big part of it because this team, I don't think it gets talked about enough. What a, And I know the term injury crisis gets thrown around a little bit too much, but this team really did kind of go with it, through an injury crisis in this first half of the season without it really being talked about even as much as I think it maybe should. Yeah, I think that that's really fair. You had a lot of key cogs missing throughout. We hadn't gotten, to be fair, we haven't gotten consistent play out of Christian Romero, um, which is a big time bummer, or or us. much or much play at all until you know what I know. That's we're we're <laughs> priorities uh, for a lot of these players. Andrew um, could be. I don't want to say question. By the way, specific to no, I, I think it is fair to say that specifically to Romero. Is that something that pisses anyone off? 
Well, we no. talked about this last week, and I, I said it does not piss me off because I am sympathetic to the position he's been put in by FIFA. Like, I'm not going to blame players for wanting to desperately play in this World Cup that only comes around every four years. You never know how a career is going to go. It could be his only chance. Like, I, I just feel like I can't judge him. I is it disappointing? Say- a little bit, but I don't blame him. Do you know what I mean? I do. I absolutely do, Kaz. And I want to say on top of that, that I think context really, really matters here. If this was just any old World Cup, you could kind of, you know, have a few more questions. If this was any other team, you could kind of have a few more questions. But this is Argentina. And Spurs' long-standing history with the Argentinian national team and, like, good relations there are extremely important. And I think that being sympathetic to the Argentinian cause is really valuable to Tottenham Hotspur. That's one. Second thing that I will say to you is that this is not any old Argentinian team. Mm -hmm. This is the chance. This is the best opportunity. I personally think Argentina wins this this entire thing. I think this is the best opportunity Argentina has had to win a World Cup in the last 40 years. Well, here's the other thing I'll say is their their chances will be much lessened if Christian Romero – plays the way that he did when he did play for Tottenham Hotspur this this first half of the season because he's he has not been very good I just I wouldn't say that he hasn't been very good he hasn't been the Christian Romero that we've come to know and love I would certainly say he's been kind of a muted version of himself and Kaz I'd be interested to your opinion on this moments yeah I'd be interested in your opinion on this there's certainly been games that you could question where his head was at Andrew I'm not going to disagree with that oddly enough hmm those games came right around international breaks. Huh. Yeah. Um, I'm simply saying that in this particular cycle, his approach and our approach kind of line up. The The other player that I think was the a massive kind of miss in terms of the injury stuff, but also for poor play in the first half would be Hyungman's son. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, we all sympathize, not even empathize, but sympathize a little bit more with Sonny just because there is no connotation of he's ducking anything or dodging anything um, in terms of his international duties, even though he also has very important international duties as the captain of his country's side. Um, but I think that his struggle, you know, we all know what happened in the Leicester game, which was incredible for him. Um, and that's where we kind of all saw it come to a head as like, oh, this guy is really not, you know, he's not here to fuck around. He's he's playing for the badge and we know that. But his injury stuff and his struggles earlier in the season, I think are another really big theme of what this team has gone through in the fir- in the first uh, couple of months of the season. Yeah. And, you know, there were so many times last season where Sun was single handedly carrying the team that I just cannot find it in me to be upset at him for having a bit of a rough patch to start this year. Sure. Like this year, Kane's the one stepping up. It's fine. There's a balance. Like I agree with that. Get it done. I think the other thing that's really important to note um, is how uh, Sonny's off season went with the trip to Korea and how much pressure was on him in order to be the host and, a great and perform. And so and plus coming off of the golden boot season, plus being named the face of Burberry, there's like all this outside pressure mounting. I'm saying you laugh, but this is important shit. No, man. no, you're look, no, I'm, just, man, I'm laughing because you're giving us a perfect opportunity to point out how 
dapper fly. he looked in his Burberry he cardigan. So good. Fly as fuck, just crushing the game like only mm. Sonny can. It's incredible. I think that he's such a uh, such a great face for that campaign. And like, I love, I love it to death. Um, but what I will say is that when you don't have the ability to prepare for a season the way that you're used to preparing for a season, you're gonna come out flat, and you're gonna have to find that form along the way. And most times you're going to probably find a niggly injury along the way as well. That's going to just keep sucking away from your focus on getting back to your best. So to take that and then smack that right in the middle of a, Oh, by the way, go play in a world cup in the middle of the desert and sleep in a storage container. Yeah. I think, I think so many players, not just on Tottenham, but across all the leagues, are just feeling so much mental pressure this season that they're not used to. I hope all the teams have good sports psychologists working with them, um, not job. just to prepare, but also after the World Cup. That's going to be very important. No, that's that's a great shout, Kaz. I I, I can't imagine I, everything you guys just said about Sunny just made me reflect on. Yeah, I mean Todd, especially pointing out the summer trip and all it's just like god yeah i mean it all when you think about stuff like this looking back it's almost like some puzzle pieces get filled in that you weren't really thinking about along the way but yeah all of this does kind of make sense and it would be nice i actually think that sunny obviously he went through the the horrible fracture in in, in the facial fracture and had to have the the surgery and everything like that and we don't really know his full timeline but he was named in his in south korea's world cup squad he's gonna go captain them in Qatar. And I think that actually, even if it's just three games that South Korea, that South Korea plays, um, I think that'd be good for him to get out there again, if he's able from a health standpoint. And I think it's actually like one world cup player that I'm not remotely worried about. Cause I think that he can go out there and do the thing and then build off of whatever he's able to do in the world cup going into the second half of the season. I'm, I'm looking for a big second half of the year out of Sunny, And I think that would be, Um, much welcomed. I think aside from some of the other first half talking points that we've already discussed, whether it be Hugo Lloris's downturn, Emerson Royale not being fit for the position, the center back still kind of trying to gel and figure it out back there with a couple of different combinations. I think the other really big and important part of it is has been in the midfield because Rodrigo Benzacor, not just coming off of a two goal performance to, to give the team a win against Leeds, and Pierre-Emil Hoiber just continuing to be Todd's Viking in every <clears throat> sense of, of it. I mean, he's been, I think, really, really good. And maybe maybe, and probably even the player of the season in the first he's the half. Play, he's my player of the season first half. I think he really might be. Um, I think also the two of them bringing Ibasuma into his own, who I think has looked better in his last three or four appearances than he did in the start of the season. And I think Oliver Skip coming back into full strength and being a part of the depth of this team. I think this midfield is actually in a really good place. Whether this team is playing 3-4-3 or 3-5-2, I think they're starting to finally get it 15 games into the Premier League season. I don't disagree with that at all. And no, Andrew, we cannot have a transfer conversation right now. But um, I think... Oh, darn. (laughs) Shucks. We can't talk transfers? Darn Uh, it. All right. Not today, sir, and you're not going to sway me, but I think once we actually let Paratici do some cooking, Paratici, Paratici, uh, (laughs) do some cooking in January, I think we're going to be really excited about what that right side looks like for the second half of the season, Um, especially because Decky 
isn't going to a World Cup, so he's going to hang out at Hotspur Way and do Conte things, and it's going to be glorious. No, I don't know if you heard about that. They called him up, did Sweden for international duty, and Tottenham said, go fuck yourself. Well, because he needs to get his body right for the second half. He's obviously missed quite a bit of time and good. No, we don't do that often. But they were like, you're playing a friendly during a World Cup, and you want our – no, go fuck – no. And and by the way, um, there's going to be plenty of players. Even though there are 11 squad players and uh, 12 total Tottenham players going to the World Cup, which we will go over in a minute, um, there's going to be plenty of guys back at Hotspur Way too. And Kulisevsky can run around with them. He can run around with, you know, Ryan. Lucas Lucas Mora and Brian Heal and Ryan Sessegnon and and all these other guys. Like, yeah, that that'd be great for all of them. Like, have some have some workouts together, lift some weights, you know, pal around in the cafeteria, uh, root on your pals in the World Cup, and get ready because come Boxing Day, this shit it it, it becomes a sprint from there. The That's whole the season has been a sprint. <laughs> so let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. It has been a sprint. It's very much, a, you know, I made the, the conversation earlier. It's very, it's very similar to like the, the Liga MX where, you know, it's two separate seasons and it really does feel that way. So let's talk about where we are at yeah. the end of the first season. Um, the fourth in the league, Andrew. Fourth in the league uh, on 29 points in 15 matches. United okay. is three points back after they Fucking stole one at the death this morning against Absolutely Fulham. That Granacho um, kid, or however you say his name, is the real deal. Uh, Spurs are Erickson, Spurs are one point Erickson back. Yeah, er- Erickson Erickson goal and assist for him today. Very cool for him. Spurs are one point back of Newcastle. They are three points back of Manchester City. Who remember they did not get to play Which, yet. Um, and and they're a full yeah, eight that points other, behind that, Arsenal. That other teams at the top. It doesn't matter. Can yeah. we talk oh, about the, how much? It doesn't matter. Can we it does matter, about, by the way. Right now, can we talk about how much Chelsea sucks? Because they couldn't do the one fucking thing that we needed them to do, which is get a single point at home. Or was it at home or was it St James Park? It doesn't matter against Newcastle. They absolutely shit the bed. Well, now, Kaz wants to I, tell me. I just want to tell you. No, I don't want to tell you that because I hate Newcastle. Um, <laughs> I, I just wanted to make the point that I think you're seeing a big contrast between Tottenham and Chelsea this season and that we are the team that is getting the points when they matter and Chelsea are crumbling under pressure because they, they could have gotten a point out of that game and they just were totally unfocused, more concerned about complaining about refereeing calls, getting yeah. into it with the Newcastle players. It's three L's so, in a row for them in a league. Yeah. Yeah. I would be interested there's a lot we could talk about in terms of of where the table sits now that we've reached this point. Not everyone has quite played the same number of games, but you know, for all intents and purposes, everyone's played almost half of their games now. Um, I would be really interested to know whether you guys think the the, the 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 top eight teams right now will be the same eight teams that finish in the top eight. Um, there's only a two point gap between eighth place Chelsea and ninth place uh, Fulham who are joint ninth with Brentford and Crystal Palace. But it's a, it's, there's a lot of season left, I think is the only point that I'm trying to make Caroline. And it's, you know, I think Tottenham are very much in this top four race. Obviously they sit fourth, So it would be foolish to say that they're not in the race, but I think they're going to be, you know, in a really good position to do something as long as it's so funny. I think the grander theme surrounding all of all of what we've talked about here looking back at the first quote unquote first half of the season the grander theme to me would be that 
Tottenham didn't play all that great, and look at where they still are. Like, imagine if they in started... injuries and the injuries. Yes, yes, a hundred percent, Todd. I think between the injuries and they actually didn't really kick on and play gr- the, the games that they played great in were probably you know the Liverpool game which they lost and you know the Leicester second half where Sun scored a hat trick. There was you know a couple of other games in there. I remember the Brighton win uh, offhand. Um, I think the Everton game stands out as a game where they they put together a really good performance and and beat a lesser team. But that that's those games are few and far between. I don't think any of the league uh, the Champions League games they particularly played great in. They still managed to win the group. Um, it's just like. Yeah, when you think about it in that context, as this team sits where it does, but didn't even really play all that great, I'm okay. I'm I'm not in, you know, worry state on Conte. I'm not in worry state even about the the transfer window, which Todd knows I want to talk so much about all the time. Um, I think that Spurs will go out and reinforce a little bit in January, and I think they will have fun doing it and kick on from there. Well. <clears throat> I think that the other part of that narrative that's extremely important is where we sit in the Champions League, Andrew. 100%. And I think that if we had been knocked out of the Carabao Cup and been knocked into the Europa League and were barely hanging on to fourth, it would be a, a much different conversation. But we're not. We're at the top of our Champions League. We're saying fuck the Carabao Cup so we don't have to worry about that when Champions League game matches and FA Cup game matches and league game matches matter. Yep. I think you're right. Um, AC Milan is the draw for the Champions League, as you brought up. Mm-hmm. What do we think about AC Milan? I know it's like it's kind of impossible to say what do you think of AC Milan considering the first match is until February uh, against them. The second leg is in March. And it's almost like who knows what not only AC Milan will look like, but who knows what Tottenham Hotspur will look like after a January window come that time. But for who it could have been, I think that AC Milan is a pretty good draw for Spurs. Yeah. It's not bad. I I think, you know, Milan have kind of been relying heavily on Olivier Giroud so far. So we, you know, on how he comes out of the world cup, you know, they could, they could be a different team come February. Who knows? So well, it's not the worst draw we could have gotten is how I feel. I a hundred percent agree with that. Okay. When we're talking about the champions league and who they have on their team, that could hurt us. If you forget to mention Divock or you're not paying attention. The second I thing I did not on- know he was on their team. So I will, <laughs> I will pop to that one. <laughs> um, the, I, I'm just saying for Spurs fans, that name may ring a bell or two. <clears throat> um, they, uh, you know, obviously um, I was going to say before you even brought up his name, Coming into this fixture, if you happen to be a betting individual, <clears throat> Andrew, um, you may want to check out what kind of odds you can get on uh, Giroud scoring against us because they're pretty – it's a pretty good bet. Um, I will say, however, over two legs, I think we beat him. I think this is a very favorable draw for us. I think, um, I think especially that leg at home, we can really expose them, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, you inspired me, Todd, to uh, actually look up their squad because clearly I have a, a blind spot there. And I had no idea Serginio Dest was at AC Milan. Yes, he is. He's on hurt right there. now, right? Yeah, I believe yeah, he is. Yeah, but called up to the U.S. squad. So yep. 
could be so, a, well, exactly, a Romero right? situation. The Romero vibe, exactly. <laughs> no, they also have that kid. I think he was from Club Bruges. He's like the next Belgian kid. He's like the Belgian De Bruyne or whatever. Uh, Charles De... I know, I'm going to fuck it up. Apologies. Catalera. Thank you for taking the, the, the <laughs> thank you for doing the heavy lifting on that, Kaz. I appreciate you. Um, you know, I said Des is on loan there. I don't know that for sure that he is. He might have gone there permanently, but regardless, he is. At yeah, they, I think he went there permanently because he was definitely rocking lots of gear like he meant it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with the no, draw. No, he is on loan. Is he? He is on loan. Okay. I'm, I'm happy with the draw. I think that it's, it yeah. certainly is a winnable mm-hmm. fixture. Um, I'm, Knock on wood, looking forward to hopefully being there uh, for the first time. That would be my first, uh, first, first game, first Spurs game in London, which would be really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Some of us are trying to get out there for that. Uh, it's being played a couple of days before the Nottingham Forest game, which we are all trying to go to. So mm-hmm. keep an eye out for Tottenham Depot on the road come March. That's uh, something's in the works and hopefully going to come to fruition here soon. But so um, toss that out there. All right. Yeah. Well, like we're it. hoping. We're hoping. We're being hopeful out here. So um, you asked about AC Milan. They're second in the, in, in Serie A right now. Yeah, they're having a good season. They're they're having a strong season. Well, they're coming off of a, a, a coming off the title. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you look at that and you go, okay, they've, they've also got some players that are coming back. If you forget, forget to mention Zlatan, I will hate you forever. Uh, <laughs> oh, is he, is, is he still pl- like, is he alive? Is he still playing? He's a lion. He's, he he's, he is a turtle. pretty important in their title charge last season. Zlatan is forever. Actually. Yeah. He was a big deal then. I get that. But um, did you yeah. guys want to talk about last you know, go ahead. Fucking yeah. guy. Well, he's, what is he? 41 years old or something 47 years old i'm pretty sure he's 57 years old pretty sure these he he scores goals he's actually 41 years old wow are you gonna hate on you're gonna hate on people who are 41 years old no i'm not just just, uh, all y'all are at all right it's just impressive his his (laughs) longevity and sport well like i said and 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 like i said it's hard to talk about a fixture that's going to take place in february when it's november 13th so that's that's a difficult thing to do but um Overall, you would think, yeah, Milan, that's a pretty good draw. So we'll 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 have plenty of time to talk about it going forward. But um, the only thing to talk about over the next handful of weeks is, uh, well, not the only thing. We've got the women's team; they're still playing. But on the men's side, it's the World Cup, and like I said, next week we're gonna do a little bit of a World Cup pod. We'll do a little bit of Spurs stuff too. But this this podcast is not gonna turn into like. Uh, a USMNT World Cup coverage podcast. It's just not, that's not what we do. We talk Spurs here. Um, but obviously, a majority of our listeners are either in England or, or the United States, and those two teams do happen to play each other in the World Cup. So there will be a little bit of World Cup discussion uh, on the podcast, um, not only just about on the field, but, but, but off the field. And we're going to get into a lot of that stuff next week. But from a Spurs standpoint, as I mentioned earlier, 11 players that are playing for Tottenham Hotspur this season are going to the World Cup. You can almost make an, a perfect starting 11 if, if there wasn't such a glaring hole at right back. Um, and a 12th, uh, Joe Rodon, who's on loan, obviously, is, is also going to the World Cup. So you've got Rodon and Ben Davis going for Wales. Hugo Lloris is obviously going for France. Dyer and Kane for England. Hoiberg will be with Denmark. Bentoncourt with Uruguay. Uh, Sar with Senegal, Richarlison with Brazil, Perisic with Croatia, Sun with Korea, and Romero with Argentina. Like, that's insane. That's an insane number of players going to the World Cup. Um, I guess at least we've got something to, like I said, to look at and 
track and watch during this thing for, for those of us who aren't really interested in there actually being a World Cup at this time Dude, of the year. I don't know about you, Kaz, but can I just say, and I don't even want to put this vibe out there, but this is exactly where my head's at. The only thing that I want is everybody to come back safe and healthy. That's all I care about. Yeah, players and fans included. Yes. That's a legitimate concern. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm still feeling very ambivalent about the World Cup. Which is sad because this is usually like, you know, a a highlight that I, it's like how I, I frame my memories, like by what World Cup year it was, you know what I mean? Like it's huge. And to not be excited about it really sucks. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of feeling like I'm still going to watch because it, it is significant to me that this is like a milestone for so many of the players that I love to support. And so I will watch for that reason, but I'm not excited to discuss it, you know, as intently as I normally would is how I feel. Yeah. I, I feel the same way, but we're going to, you know, poke around at it. And like I said, there will be plenty of other sports. There will be plenty of other Spurs uh, storylines and things coming out of uh, the next handful of weeks without actual Tottenham football to watch um, on the men's side. Like I said, the women, the women are still playing. They're back in action next week, Um, but it's, it is what it is at this point. We've got, we've got to wait until boxing day for another Spurs match on the men's side. Um, And like I said, that's why, why I kind of felt after watching yesterday against Leeds, I was like, Oh, this, this is the kind of um, trippy Spurs victory that I needed right before I <laughs> get Spurs for almost a month and a full month and a half. So <sighs> it is. Yeah, I got the full experience. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was truly the full experience. Um, I, I don't know why I decided to try and end this podcast on that note, but that's what we're going to do um, because we have kind of exhausted our time here talking about what was just a, a wild, wild week. I think, uh, I, I, my buddy, my buddy Greg, uh, who's uh, Skipjack on on Twitter, who who does the Wheeler Dealer Radio podcast, I think summed it up in a tweet that Todd, you you had brought up to my attention yesterday, is that uh, he said, "I don't understand how Spurs simultaneously look the biggest losers on the planet, and also like they got that dog in them." And that is literally, I think, embodied the Leeds match uh, in a tweet. Because well, it's not just the Leeds match. I feel like it like the first half. I feel like it embodies the Spurs first half. I think that's yeah. the perfect way to, to kind of surmise who Conte Spurs are, which you know what? I'd rather have uh, your second half be better than your first half. I'll tell you what. And if you ask Leeds fans who had an incredible first half, which side of that game that would be on, they'd rather be on, it, they're going to rather be on our side. And so like, if you look at the season kind of holistically to this point in time, top four, top of the Champions League group, favorable draw, as long as everybody comes back healthy, we're in a really good position, especially with the window afoot. Yeah, I think they're in in, in line to do that for sure. Caroline? I was just going to say, I, I think the dog was just conserving his energy uh, strategically. I honestly think <laughs> it was a strategy. That's not a joke. I've, I've admitted a, a couple of times I've said that I feel like, you know, they're kind of doing the Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather vibe where yeah. like, you know, you're just sitting back and kind of processing and like understanding what's going on and then looking to exploit weaknesses in the second half. And I feel like for a team that recognizes, hey, we had a long season ahead. We had a lot of matches. 
our November was, or I'm sorry, our October was crazy with the amount of matches that we played. Yeah. So I, you can't, it's not fun to watch. It hurts. It hurts to watch. It's really bad. It opens us up to about an hour, hour and 20 minutes of excruciating pain, especially online. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then you get the rest of the, the feeling for the rest of the weekend of euphoria that you actually pulled it out. So I don't know. Take what you get. You do have to take what you get. You absolutely do. I have a feeling that we're going to look back to your point in the spring and be like, Oh, maybe Spurs knew what the hell they were doing in the first half of the season. Kind of like we're talking about now with sun, like having this realization that, Oh, maybe this all makes sense. Maybe a lot of this is just making sense. And all of us who are uh, spouting things off on Twitter uh, every day about Spurs or spouting things into microphones on podcasts are just doing it for our own health. And so that we can get through, maybe that's where we're at at this point. But I agree. Speaking of mental health, shout out to our guy, our Benzo on Twitter um, for asking for the automatic react pod. Sorry. It's a couple of days late, but yeah. um, we are where we are and uh, we're thankful for you to listen. Yeah, yeah, I take most of the blame for that. I couldn't watch the game live yesterday, so we had to wait a little bit until I could watch it yesterday afternoon. And you and, watched uh, the game live yesterday. Yeah, I did. I did watch the game live in a different way, uh, and and then obviously having that that dog that is in him <laughs> come out. Uh, hopefully, it can be out for the entire second half. Uh, we'll be we'll be coming at you, like I said, uh, throughout the World Cup, even though there are no. <laughs> No other Spurs men's games to watch for the next month and a half. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the women's team and we'll talk about whatever the hell's going on over in Qatar, uh, on and off the pitch, because I'm sure it's going to be uh, going to be something. But until then, until next week, when we come back at you on the Tottenham Depot, be sure to follow us at Tottenham Depot uh, on whatever is left of Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok. And uh, be sure to leave us a rating and review. We don't we don't always throw that in there, but that really helps get the pot out to others who maybe haven't heard it before. So do that. And until next week, we'll talk to you then. This has been the Tottenham Depot Podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>